0: Believe in yourself, cause it starts with you. And then everyone else will believe you too. And if it looks like
1: you're the only believer around, just keep on believing. Don't put yourself down. Just believe
0: Our guest this week grew up in Morgantown, West Virginia, and earned a BA in business management from West Virginia University. In 1964, he we went to work for Kresge, a five and dime operation in the stock room In the 1977, Cresti became Kmart. He became the chairman of Kmart before and was its CEO from 87 to 94. And since 1996, he's been this co-founder and chairman of Andretti Winery. His name, Giuseppe, Joe Antonini, and I'm Jack Grasula, and this is Anything Is Possible on News Talk 760 WJR. I'm Jack Brasula. This is Anything Is Possible. And we're talking to the former chairman of Kmart, Joe Antonini, who was its CEO from 1987 to 1994. Giuseppe, welcome. An honor
1: to have you. Thank you, Jack. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Can we start by talking about your childhood and your sure. mom and your dad growing up in Morgantown, West Virginia?
1: Go ahead. Let's Please. Do it. Please. Well, we started. Uh way back in Morgantown, West Virginia, when my grandfather first came to this country uh, from the Abruzzi region of Italy. And uh, why did he end up in Morgantown? Uh, The issue was that they were looking for people who knew how to read topography of the mountains in West Virginia to build roads. So some of his paisanos from Morgantown knew of him, uh, Antonio Antonini from Abruzzi, and and, uh, asked if he'd be willing to come, and they sponsored him. To help build the roads for the county and the state in West Virginia, so that's how the Antoninis ended up in Morgantown. And uh, later on, when my dad was about 15 or 16, and it's really peculiar in those days, they used to go back to Italy every, you know, year and take about a month or so to go on the boat to back and forth. And uh, on a trip back to uh, Italy, ask his five children which one wanted to come to the United States to help him in his business. And my father, who was the youngest, said he would be glad to do it. And that's how my father then ended up in Morgantown and uh, helped my my grandfather the business. And of course, there's was a rough time it was when the depression started. And uh, after that, it was all kind of odd jobs, construction, this and that, trying to make a living. And uh, uh, we started just moving forward. And as the economy became better, uh, they then continued to work and do their, their jobs. We're talking
0: to Joe Antonini, who was the oldest of five, he was a little league catcher, and he was the Muggsy Bogues, before there was a Muggsy Bogues, he was a five foot five inch star guard on the Morgantown High School basketball team. Um, Joe, what's the biggest thing you learned from mom? And what's the biggest thing you learned from dad?
1: When it comes to my mother, I know it may sound silly, but I used to refer to her as St. Catherine, why? Because she was dedicated to her family and of course, her faith. And uh, she always wore a house dress and an apron and made sure that we had everything we needed to make our lives easier. And it was faith, too, that made us stronger. Uh, I'll never forget one day it was snowing hard. And we a little town of Morgantown, Our church was maybe a few miles away. And when the weather was nice, we would walk. Well, this particular day, we had about six inches of snow. And my mother said, well, I'm going to church. And we said, that's almost impossible to go. But, you know, she tried to do it. She went maybe, I don't know, 100 yards, 200 yards and had to come back. But that was the face she had in attending mass on a Sunday, trying to get to church with snow about six eight inches. That was my mother. Uh, my father was an interesting person, very, very strong-minded, uh, as, uh, as he developed and did what he had to do to make a living for the family. And uh, his biggest thing that he would mention to us was do something and every time I see the Nike uh, logo about it just do it I think of my dad and I'll tell you why because if we weren't doing something he said let's do it if you're not reading if you're not getting educated work if you're not work be reading be studying and that's something that was always instilled in all of us the importance of being sure we worked we got educated and we took care of our our family.
0: Talking about do something. You're eight years old, you you take up the saxophone. And at 15, you start a band called the Bonnevilles. Uh, What type songs, what was your favorite and how good were you
1: guys? Well, I think we were pretty good. We played uh, all through uh, the state of West Virginia and part of Pennsylvania for a lot of college events. And the Bonnevilles uh, started after uh, I had another band when I was in junior high that did sophisticated type songs the Jimmy Dorsey, Glenn Miller type. But then the rock came on the scene. So we had to change. Just like anything else in business, you got to move with the time. So I started a five-piece band called the Bonnevilles. We had two guitars, a drummer, a piano, uh, two singers, and of course me on the sax. And uh, we we enjoyed that particular uh, time of my life. And I'll tell you why. Because it was pretty well uh, ensconced in making money. Uh, the year I uh, graduated from college, I was offered a job uh, at Kmart for uh, for a hundred dollars a week, and heck, we were making more money in the band. And uh, but that no, I, that that I knew was short term, so uh, we went to Kmart. But the band was known for its rock and roll, playing at fraternities, sororities, uh, events, concerts, and it lasted uh, until I graduated. and Went on uh, to um, that's my career.
0: We're talking to Joe Antonini, who was known as the Leia Coca of retailing. All right. Speaking of retailing, you're 14 years old. What's the first sale you ever made in retailing, Joe?
1: Well, the first sale was part of me getting my working papers, working in a store called O.J. Morrison's Department Store in Morgantown. Uh, it was a regional department store. They had one store in Morgantown, one store in Charleston, West Virginia. And uh, I was started in the uh, basement of the store, the lower level in the men's department where we were selling work clothes. They had three floors, work clothes, and then men's furnishings, and then they went into uh, suits and ties, etc. So I was started in the men's where we were selling Levi's flannel shirts, things of that nature for the work. And I'll never forget when a customer came in Uh, I said, may I help you, sir? And he said, certainly. I need 10 pairs of uh, jeans and five flannel shirts. And I thought my day was made. That was an interesting time at O.J. Morrison's. A very pivotal part of my life because the manager of that store was very astute. And uh, when I was being interviewed by other retailers when I was in the placement center at West Virginia University upon graduating, uh, I asked him, is retail the future? Is it discount stores? Is it the department store? And he said to me, Joe, it's not the department store. Now, this was in 1964. And he said, there's a new concept opening up in Pittsburgh. It's called Kmart. He said, if you're interested in retail, I suggest you drive to Pittsburgh, which is about an hour away and take a look at this concept. And when I did, I really enjoyed the look, the the, the promotional aspect, the stack it high, sell it and all of that. And I was hooked.
0: We're talking to Joe Antonini, and that drive to Pittsburgh has turned into nearly a 60 year vocation in retail. And I'm Jack Rasul, and this is Anything Is Possible on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to Anything Is Possible. I'm Jack Grisula, and with Joe Antonini, who in 1964 went to work for Kresge, a five and dime operation earning a hundred bucks a week. Joe, Kresge started in 1899. It was a five and dime operation. Tell us about Kresge.
1: It was an interesting concept at the time. You had Kresge, Woolworth, and some other retailers in the five and dime business. And in those days, Kresge, along with Woolworth, made an agreement that the Kresge company would stay in the Midwest and Woolworth would stay in the East. So that handshake lasted about 35 years, and that's where the expansion took place for Kresge in the Midwest, basically, and, of course, Woolworth in the East. And it was an interesting concept. Everything was five and dime at the time, but as it progressed, you started getting into more higher-priced items. But uh, Kresge's, every time I talk to someone about Kresge's they go back when they were a child visiting the Kresge store and that little fountain up front where they got their shakes and their cokes and and their hot dogs it was an interesting uh uh, this scenario but they still remember that
0: well south side of Chicago we had one at 111th and Kedzie when I would go to that counter you get a black cow and a hot dog Joe, I thought I was the cat's meow, the cat's meow. I would ride my bike over there. That was big, tall cotton. Um, OK, the first Kmart store was actually March first, 1962 in Garden City. And then in 63, you guys start something called the Blue Light Special. How did that come to
1: be? The uh, the founder of the concept, Harry B. Cuttingham, uh, was the instrument. Uh, that he thought would be promotional inside the store. Obviously, advertising is very important to discount stores, Kresge stores, Five and Dime stores. But he thought, what could we do inside the store to stimulate a little extra sales? And he started the Blue Light Special. And what the Blue Light Special was about was taking it around to various areas for new merchandise that just may have arrived or for clearance merchandise that we were selling at a reduced price. And it became a tremendous promotional vehicle that really gained popularity all over the country.
0: That ride to Pittsburgh transformed your life. But also, one day in 1970, you're a store manager of a Kresge store in Buffalo, New York, and a young school teacher walks in. Tell us about that.
1: It was really interesting. Uh, When I became a first store manager of that Kresge store in Cheektowaga, New York, which is a suburb of Buffalo, Uh, I was so gung-ho. I was 28 years old and just full of vim and vinegar and ready to make that store as successful as possible. And uh, next door, uh, Kathy, who later became my wife, I was working in a bank in the summer part-time before she went back to teaching. And uh, she came into the store a couple of times and apparently we said hi, wasn't too much interested as I was trying to get the store rolling and rocking and rolling. And uh, she gave a note to one of her colleagues at the bank and said, "Uh, I would like to meet Joe. And she sent that note to her friend. And her friend one day was in the store, came up to me and said, here's a note from Kathy. And I said, who's Kathy? And she proceeded to tell me who she was. So the next time Kathy came into the store at that famous little lunch counter, uh, I said, are you Kathy? And she got all embarrassed and flushed about the note. And uh, she said, yes, that's me. So I said, look, I have a problem. My car is being repaired, and I need to ride to the repair shop after I close. Would you take me there? Kind of forward, I know. And lo and behold, she did, and the rest is history.
0: She carried you the rest of your life, Giuseppe. And uh, <laughs> you met your million-dollar baby in a five-and-dime store.
1: Yeah, it's a song that I, I always play once in a while. as reman- reminds me of Kathy, but that's the story.
0: All right, let's go back to the 80s and the 90s. You're competing every day against Sears Roebuck, the number one retailer in the country, and this fast-growing Walmart down in Arkansas with Sam Walton, who was the largest discounter. What was that like competing against the retailer and the discounter?
1: It was very tough, very interesting. And I have to go back to when I was president of Kmart Apparel. And uh, our reputation in the apparel business was not that great. And uh, the chairman of the board at that time was Ben Faber. And when he made me president of that division, he said to me, Joe, we've got problems in the apparel division. I don't care what you do, but do something. And that reminded me of my father, of course. So I studied Walmart mostly because I felt they were our direct uh, competition. And I found out that they had so many stores, but most of them segregated in the South. So I went and checked all the stores, checked our assortment. And what I did, I met him on every single price because we weren't as competitive as we should have been. And I met him at all the prices in the apparel department. And lo and behold, it took hold and our sales in the apparel division went wild. And that's when we started looking at ways to improve it further by bringing in, for example, Jacqueline Smith.
0: We're talking to Joe Antonini, who's an American rags to riches story, if there ever was one. Uh, I think you met Sam Walton once. What did I, he teach you, Joe?
1: Well, Sam was very tight-lipped. We were at a convention in New York City, very tight-lipped. And I was there with uh, the founder of uh, the Kmart uh, concept, Harry Cunningham. And so I went over to uh, Cunningham and to Walton and said, I'd like to get a picture with you, you two gentlemen. And Sam was kind of a little hesitant on doing it, but he did. Uh, decided it was okay to do it. So I got my picture with Sam and uh, and Harry Cunningham, which I still have today, which I really cherish because these were two great retailers of our time at, that started the concept. Kmart, of course, started it. Uh, uh, secondly, I would say to Anne and Hope up in New England. And then it was Kmart and Walton came on with the Walmart stores.
0: Um, let's talk about branding. You're a master at branding, whether it's, Retail, stores, whether it's winery, ready Winery, tell us about branding.
1: Branding is critical when it comes to selling product. And how you develop that brand and advertise it and make it acceptable is very important. And one of the things we did with the Jacqueline Smith brand, right from the beginning, was made sure it had quality, it had the look of the current day, and it was priced right. And when we brought that in, I was criticized because why would you bring in Jacqueline Smith into a Kmart store? And I said, because we're going to start branding her name. And as a result, we spent about 20 million bucks on pre-advertising product and the whole program to get it started. And I remember it was a school year and uh, we put the product in in August, July and August, getting ready for the school year. And in three months, we were sold out. And then I knew we had a really product. And that's what made me go into getting Martha Stewart and others.
0: Speaking of getting others, one that he got was a fellow Italiano, Mario Andretti. When we come back, we're going to ask him about Mario Andretti. And I'm Jack Russel, and this is Anything is Possible on News Talk 760 WJR. This is Anything Is Possible. I'm your host, Jack Pesula. And we're with Joe Antonini, who amongst the many things he's done from 87 to 97, he was a member of Chrysler's board of directors, mentoring a guy named Lee Iacocca. But hold off on Iacocca. Tell us about your friend, Mario Andretti.
1: Yes, very interesting person. while he's one of the great race drivers of all times, winning practically everything except Le Mans, uh, he is an astute business guy. He has great instincts and his intuition about business has made him very successful. Uh, So one time uh, he came to me, this was basically after we retired in 1995, and and said to me, Joe, let's get into the wine business. And I said, Mario, for what? It's a tough business. He says, well, let's take a look at a vineyard that uh, someone had presented to him. And uh, let's see what we can do with that. If you'd be willing to fly out to Napa and uh, take a look at the property. So I did. And when I flew out there, it it wasn't a vineyard. It was a big acreage of 52. And uh, it had all run down vines. And it really wasn't a vineyard. It was just a piece of dirt. And he said, would you help me get in this business? And that's how that all started.
0: And that's turned into www.andrediwinery.com. Right. And since 90, 1996, Joe's been the co-founder and chairman of Andretti Winery and its chief peddler uh, and taster, too. Um, Mario Andretti endorsed Kmart's automotive products. And by the way, in 2000, he was named driver of the century by the Associated Press. All right. For the sporting goods, you choose a guy, I think from Indiana, Fuzzy Zola.
1: A great guy. Uh, I still play golf with Fuzzy usually in January, February at our club in Naples, National Golf Club in Na- Naples, Florida. And uh, what I was trying to do, Jack, was to develop more male shoppers in our stores. And that was a reason for bringing in and Ready uh, for the automotive and Fuzzy Zeller for golf. And uh, it really developed into a great relationship between our product and our customers. Uh, when Fuzzy was representing us in our golf department, At that time, this was before the big boxes, and we were the largest seller of golf and golf equipment in the country. That was before Dick's and all the other big box uh, sporting goods stores, and uh, it became quite a success. And uh, developing more male shoppers brought in more families because of golf and because of racing and automotive, and it was quite successful.
0: Fuzzy was the 1979 Masters champion. Um, All right. You need somebody for kitchen, bedroom, and bath. And you take this unknown lady, Martha Stewart, please.
1: Quite a person, very intelligent Martha was. Uh, I enjoyed working with her. And uh, our goal was to develop more business in our bed and bath and domestics area. And uh, when we hired Martha to put her label, her name on these products, it it too, it just like the Jacqueline uh, label, it took off. And she became a very important part of that particular department. So you can see what we were trying to do, which I refer to as lifestyle departments, golf, automotive, apparel, and now domestics, bed and bath. And that was something that really developed with her. And for a long time, she worked with doing uh, infomercials on TV and helped her product tremendously.
0: 1984, you take one of Charlie's Angels, Jacqueline Smith, and it becomes a huge hit. The line of women's clothing.
1: Yes, it was. And again, Jacqueline just couldn't have been nicer and a perfect fit for our customer. Uh, I refer to her as like the girl next door that everybody loved. And she had such a great personality and she had good taste for clothes. So when we have our buyers in for our meetings, she would be part of that, uh, that program. And it was very nice working with her.
0: Maybe you had those kind of girls next door in Morgantown, West Virginia, Mississippi, but on the south side of Chicago, they're one who Jacqueline Smith's next next to us. All right. Uh speaking of the all-American girl, you needed somebody for swimwear. You choose Kathy Ireland.
1: Kathy Ireland was a tremendous business person. I think in the beginning, when we hired Kathy, everybody thought it was just a pretty face to wear our swimwear and other type of Uh, exercise equipment, but she turned out to be a real, real, real gem in merchandising. As a matter of fact, we started with her back in those days, and she has now developed a tremendous merchandising program in her own right and has developed all types of programs where she is still uh, promoting retail and other types of products.
0: All right. At the zenith, Kmart had 4,500 stores, 500,000 employees, you did 40 billion in revenue. Joe, how did your team and you do it?
1: Well, it's staying together, working, and understanding what strategy is and what the tactics are to make that strategy work. I tried to keep my direct reports limited, uh, six or seven, so that uh, I can generate what we need to do between us on an ongoing basis. And of course, those under those executives followed through with the uh, the tactics needed for the strategy, but it it was very difficult. You know, we had uh, we had twenty five hundred Kmart stores and two thousand specialty stores, which were Sports Authority, Office Max, uh, uh, Border Books, uh, uh, Builder Square, and some drugstores on the West Coast. So it was quite an accomplishment because at that time we were the largest the largest specialty retail group, meaning that specialty group stores I just mentioned in the country. And it worked out very well for us and added a lot of dimension uh, to our merchandising as well as the sales and profit.
0: Today, the kingfishes are Walmart, Costco, a um, couple others. What do they have in common that makes them so successful today, Joe?
1: I think the important thing that uh, Costco has, in my opinion, is the way they distribute their product to the stores. The products come in and they hit the stock room and then they go right to the floor. It's almost a seamless way of merchandising, number one. Number two, they developed a tremendous club membership. Uh, their margins are, are, are low, it's like 10, 12%, which is low and pretty difficult to make profit. But the club membership that they charge $50, $60, whatever it may be, creates such a great, a great program. For them in sales.
0: A few minutes ago we mentioned Mario Andretti and you 1996 started Andretti for those who want to learn more www.andrettiwinery.com tell us about what we can buy online Joe.
1: Well practically all the products we have that we sell in our tasting room and elsewhere to our distributors can be bought online and I try to put together a program with good better best. Uh, you know, wine is a matter of taste and what you like. I don't care if it's a $10 bottle of wine or for a $100 bottle of wine. Whatever it is that you like, that's what you should buy and drink. So, trying to cover that program, I had a wine that would sell for 15 $20. I had a wine that would sell for $60 and a wine that sells for $125. And all those items were in different restaurants or liquor stores that created to that particular customer. Now, online, it's open business. You can buy all those online, and that's the real importance of our online bank business.
0: We're talking to Joe Antonini. When we come back, we'll ask him about one night in 1993 where he's the Horatio Elder Award winner with a few other Americans. And I'm Jack Russell, and this is Anything is Possible, on Talk 760 WJR. Jack Rosula, host of WJR's Anything is Possible, the weekly radio visit, brings his 15 years of inspirational storytelling to hardcover with God, anything is possible. possible. 15 of Jack's more than 750 tales of defeating odds and achieving the extraordinary, like Bob Woodruff, whose job covering the war in Iraq nearly cost him his life. And Nick Vujicic, the limbless evangelist who has stunned millions with his message of acceptance and grace. With God, anything is possible. Order now while signed copies are still available at trustinusllc.square.site. That's trustinusllc.square.site. And as Jack says, make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spohol. I'm Jack Brasula. This is Anything is Possible. And we're talking to Giuseppe Joe Antonini. And one spring night in Washington, D.C., you, Kathy, the family go, 1993. And you're honored with the Horatio Elger Award. Other awardees were Jack Kemp, the congressman who ran for presidency, Bernie Marcus, fellow that started Home Depot, John Fisher, the chairman of Nationwide Insurance, and a lady from Chicago named Oprah Winfrey. Joseph, what a night.
1: What are you What, into- a, night. what a night, and it was very, very uh, humbling to be with those type of successful people, and of course, honored. And I remember we were sitting at the table with Oprah, and my children, John and Kara, were with us at the time, and they were more interested in Oprah than me. And I thought, boy, isn't this wonderful? So the... Uh, The evening was great, and I really enjoyed it, and uh, I was honored to be part of that. All
0: right, another special night in D.C. You're honored by the National Italian Foundation. You, a manager by the name of Tommy Lizardo, who loved to eat, and Justice Anton Scalia. Tell us about that night, Joe.
1: Fascinating. Uh, Let's start with uh, Mr. Scalia, Justice Scalia. Uh, A brilliant person, but so practical. The time that I spent just talking to him about life and business, justice. uh, He was such a interesting person from the standpoint of how he articulated what he was talking about. You know, he he made you understand and feel that it was really, really the way that it should be. And it was about life, it was about family, it was about justice, and uh, I enjoyed that. And I still have an autograph picture from him uh, that I cherished in my office.
0: All right. Speaking of interesting people from 87 to 1997, you were a member of Chrysler's board of directors and therefore at the head of the table for each board meeting was a fellow named Lee Iacopa.
1: Very, 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 very smart man. Uh, while he was an engineer, his marketing prowess and his uh, ability to, to communicate with the person sweeping the floor was astounding and uh, the dealers loved him and he had great marketing and merchandise instincts, you know, merchandising and marketing, whether you're selling a car or apparel, it's the same. It's how you produce it, how you present it and how you price it. And he had that knack of doing it. And he had a lot of respect from those around him because he was so intelligent and uh, he had instincts that keep moving him forward. Where he was able to do what he needed to do to get Chrysler up and running, then that was back in you know when things were tough for Chrysler at that time.
0: Um, well, at Ford he was instrumental in bringing out the Mustang, or he claims so. And uh, at Chrysler, you guys came up with the K car in the minivan, which today basically is this SUV that every woman
1: drives. That's a fact. And uh, things were very difficult, as I previously mentioned. And the mini car was being made in Canada and we were all sitting there sweating blood because we only had about four or five hundred million in cash at the time and things were difficult for us to sustain the business. And it was all dedicated on bringing in in that minivan. And lo and behold, as luck would have it, it was produced, it hit the market and it saved the company. And that was his baby.
0: Then President Reagan in the early 80s asked him to lead the effort to raise the money to refurbish the Statue of Liberty.
1: Yeah, Iacocca's parents also came from Italy. And so our our, uh, backgrounds were similar from the standpoint of being first-generation Italians. And uh, that effort that he led in New York was astounding and made a lot of people happy about how we understand freedom and justice in this country.
0: Um, I remember the commercials he had. He and Snoop Dogg, unbelievable. And, you know, 30 years later, the Snoop Dogg is still out there selling us, you know, beer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a, a great brander, a great marketer. And,
1: and what's interesting, Jack, real quick, Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg did a commercial at one time recently. So it just goes on and on.
0: Well, maybe someday we'll see Giuseppe Antonini and the Snoop Dogg together. Okay, <laughs> Anything is possible. All right. You've got eight points. Joe Antonini's Creed for Success if we could go over a couple of them, be as enthusiastic about the success of others as you are about your own. Does that still work today, Joe?
1: It works today if you have that ability to communicate with your people. Uh, I use the term, Jack, dynamic tension. Dynamic tension to me isn't something that you drive yourself crazy about or you drive others crazy that work with you. It's a way of keeping yourself in tune and attracted to what you have to do to attract others to do the same thing. And dynamic tension means you can stay focused, in my opinion. Staying focused and getting what you need to be done today is important because the competition is so fierce. Online is becoming the merchandising uh, program of of the world and now we have to be sure. How do we compete with the brick and mortars? Which is difficult, but brick and mortars can still be online too, and still be and still have brick and mortar. I mean, it's it's, it's doable, but it's tough. So that dynamic tension allows you to do that and that allows you to work with your people.
0: We're talking to Joe Antonini. If you want to learn more, www.andrettiwinery.com. All right, another one of your creeds for success: Forget the mistakes of the past and press on to the greater achievements of the future.
1: That's right. You got to learn to fail safe. And if that happens, you do it. You just say it's time to go on, cut it out, and go to the next one. But uh, the mistakes will happen because if you don't make mistakes, you'll never learn. The, the key is not making more, more mistakes than necessary. And then when you do make a mistake, catch it early. That's what I refer to as fail safe and move on and go into the next uh, program.
0: All right, another one. Spend so much time improving yourself that you have no time left to criticize others. That's almost biblical, Joe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's where the dynamic tension comes in again, because you have to stay keyed on yourself to help others do the job. And if you start just being an individual that criticizes your people and don't work with them, then it's not going to work. You're just not going to be able to develop your, your team.
0: All right. Be too big for worry and too noble for anger.
1: And worry sometimes becomes a real instrument of danger to individuals. So you have to understand that the importance of, of uh, worry, keeping it to a minimum, because if you can't do anything about it, why worry? And that's why you have to be uh, to, into the point where you just don't worry and try to say, look, let's move forward. Let's make it happy and make it forward so that we can do what we need to do. You just got to reduce that worry from your, from your head and uh, not get angry about it and move forward.
0: Think only of the best, work only for the best, and expect only the best.
1: Correct. And by using that philosophy, can you imagine what you can accomplish? And it works. You know, if you think the best, you're the best, you work with the best, you teach and train to be the best, you'll start to get results that you never thought.
0: And when you and I are on the golf course together, I don't know if it's the best, the best, the best, but (laughs) we get lucky once in a while and have a great time. Okay, last one. Be strong so that nothing can disturb your peace of mind.
1: That's correct. And that's the tough one as well, uh, because sometimes when things don't go well, You fall apart and you get nervous. You worry. You think, am I making the right decision? Did I do well? Did I not do so good? But doing that type of a a program, keeping yourself strong and uh, uh, so you don't disturb what you need to do going forward.
0: As our time winds down together this evening, what advice do you give to our young listeners, please?
1: You know, I given a few lectures at the business schools, uh, my alma mater, West Virginia University, and uh, one time at uh, University of Michigan. And when I talk to the young people, the first thing they think about is pulling a widget out of their pocket and say, I want to be the next Bill Gates or whoever on the dot-com circuit. But I try to tell them the importance of, yes, education is important, very important. They ask me the question, should I get a master's? Should I get my MBA, should I do this? Should I do that? I look at two things. First of all, the first three things I say are important are people, people, people. That's critical because once you understand the importance of working with people, teaching them and following that creed that we just discussed, will allow that to happen more readily. And secondly, you have to have a plan and you have to have a plan that makes sense based on marketing, people and capital lots of times people will start a business with no money and think the next six months they're going to make a millionaire and they find out that somebody just bought 70 percent of their company and they have nothing left so concentrate on people and coming up with a plan that takes time so that you can analyze what has to be done
0: joe thanks for sharing your amazing journey and also personally thanks for that 20 plus year mentorship and friendship
1: Thank you, Jack. It's been a pleasure and great show you're doing. Uh, I'm glad to be part of it.
0: Please join us next Saturday. Until then, I'm Jack Grisula. Thanks for listening and make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spawn.
1: Believe in yourself.